0: Welcome to Crossroad International Church, where it's all about Jesus. If you are in Kuwait and looking for a church to call home, we would love the opportunity to welcome you at one of our Friday services. Now, here's this week's message. Jesus with a, with a truly you are the center of everything. We come to you today with hearts of repentance saying we're sorry for all of the times that we've taken you out of the center and we've put ourselves in your place but Jesus we thank you for the convicting power of your Holy Spirit that when we take center stage that the Spirit is there to convict us And we come today with hearts of repentance and say, Father, forgive us for taking center stage many times in our lives. And we give you the honor and the glory. We ask that you would bless the gifts that were given today and the giver as well. Father, you would take it and bless it, multiply it, and use it for spreading the gospel around the world. We give you the honor and the glory in Jesus' name. God bless you can be seated turn with me if you would to Matthew chapter 28 we're continuing our blessed our balanced spiritual growth series and today we're going to talk about bringing in the harvest so after the resurrection of Jesus he spent some time with his disciples and just before Jesus got ready to go up to heaven His disciples were around, and he gave them his last words of wisdom, his last command, and we read it here. Matthew 28, 18 to 20. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. It's interesting here that Jesus' promise to be with us always is directly connected with us going and teaching All people. Now, in Mark chapter 16, there's another thing that Jesus tells his disciples at the end in verse 15. And Jesus said unto them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Now, the sermon this week is entitled Bringing in the Harvest. And it's a reminder of the responsibility that each one of us as believers has to the harvest Jesus commands us and calls us to go into the harvest field as we talked last week about obedience to the commandments of Christ this is one of the things that we need to be obedient to now growing up on a farm I understand the harvest. Everything we did all year long revolved around the harvest. We would spend time preparing the field. My dad was a fanatic about the field being ready to receive the seed. He would disc it and plow it and disc it and rake it to where it looked like a tabletop. And we'd go, Dad, why do you have to have it in such good shape? We're just going to come in with the tractor and mess it all up again. He says, Because it has to be good ground for the soil or for the seed to go into. Then we would plant the seed. Then we would spend time cultivating the seed. I can remember walking through the crop with a machete cutting the big weeds out of the soybeans or the corn, and there was a lot of work. But then one day, my dad would be walking through the field, and he'd come in that night for supper, and he said, Tomorrow we start harvest. Everything quit. Everybody in the family got involved. Because the harvest was what it was all about. The preparing the ground was important, planting the seed was important, cultivating the crop was important, but none of that mattered if we didn't get the harvest in, okay? So our entire lifestyle based around the harvest. If the harvest was good, we lived well. If the harvest was bad, we didn't live so good. Because it was all based on the harvest. So as a family, we took the harvest seriously. Because as farmers, our livelihood was based on the harvest. Let me read from you Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 through 38. And then I want to give you a few facts about the harvest. Then Jesus went about all the cities and the villages teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest and send out the laborers into the harvest field. It's interesting in these verses. In verse 35, it says, Jesus went about all of the cities and villages, and he was teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among them. That was his everyday activity. Going city to city, village to village, preaching the gospel, healing the sick. But then in verse 36, but when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion. It wasn't for the sick He was moved with compassion for those people that didn't yet know him or had not come to him. So the first fact or the first thing I want to talk to you about the harvest is the harvest must be seen. Jesus saw. We will not see the harvest if we do not look for it. Wherever I go, when I ride in a bus or a car, and we go through farm country, I'm not looking at the hills or the trees or the forest. I look at the crops. I want to see how good a job did they do planting. Are their rows straight? Did they cultivate them good? Are they growing well? And I love during harvest time seeing the big combines and the things out in the fields. Because my eye, as a farmer, is drawn to harvest. I know people that can pass by a wheat field and drive miles and miles and miles through the wheat fields of Iowa or different places in the U.S. or the U.K. and not even know that it's a wheat field. Just look at how beautiful the scenery is. But you will never see a harvest if you don't start looking for it. We walk by harvests every day. And we pass it up because we're not looking for the harvest. See, there are people in our lives who need to know Jesus. But we need to ask God to open our eyes to see them. John 4.35 do not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest behold I say to you lift up your eyes and look on the fields for they are already white to harvest so ask God where you work to open your eyes to the harvest that's maybe right there around you the young man that I was talking about Boskren uh, Jasper knows him well he came to Kuwait as a Hindu he was an engineer he worked on the uh, water towers um, calibrating the pumps and those kinds of things and somebody that he worked with shared the gospel with him the first few years he was in Kuwait he sent most of his money back home and he built a small Hindu temple in his village last year Kath and I or this year we were there and went by and took some pictures of that little Hindu temple. Then a workmate shared Jesus with him. He got to know Jesus as his Savior, got some training, went to Bible school, and the church sent him back to India as a missionary to his home village. We were able to be in the church that he built about a half mile down the road from the Hindu temple and now he's touching about 14 different Hindu villages around where he lives why did that happen because a workmate saw a harvest saw that this man was ready to know Jesus and was bold enough to say something amen so we must see the harvest the second fact is in verse 36 and 37 the harvest is plentiful. It says when Jesus saw the multitudes and then he told his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful. The number of spiritually dying people is overwhelming. In the day that Jesus walked this earth, the population of planet earth was approximately 150 million people. Today, the world's population is 7.6 billion people, and it's growing at a rate of 82 billion per year. To put that in a little more perspective, that's 224,657 people today that will be born into this world. Think about that. 7.6 billion people on earth. The harvest is plentiful. Let me ask you, how many of you, every person you know is a believer? Put your hand up. Okay, look around. Look at how many people only know believers. None of us. All of us have people in our lives that are unbelievers and they need the gospel. We need to be like Jesus. We need to live like Him. What did He do every day? He went from village to village, city to city, and preached the gospel. The third thing we need to see is that the harvest is precious in the sight of Jesus. When Jesus saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion. In the New Testament, there are three words for compassion. And the word used here is the strongest word there is for compassion. It indicates not only a pained feeling at the sight of suffering, But in addition, a strong desire to relieve and to remove the suffering. So, this is a compassion that Jesus had. He saw the suffering of the people, and he had this strong desire to do something about it. When you see someone that's suffering, or you see someone that's in need, and you feel bad about them but just keep going. That's called sympathy. Sympathy feels bad at the plight of another but does nothing about it. Compassion, on the other hand, goes the extra mile to see the need met. It's love that moves us beyond sentimental feeling to heartfelt action. Compassion always leads to action. See, Jesus cares about the harvest because that was his number one mission. Luke chapter 19 and verse 10, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. About 10 or 12 years ago, I was in um, Sydney, Australia, and I flew up to a little farming community called Wagga Wagga it's out in the middle of nowhere and um, from the airport to the church where I was speaking we drove through these huge wheat fields that had just been harvested and then we would go by a little field of maybe two to five acres and the wheat had not been harvested and it was beginning to fall over and once wheat is on the ground, it's almost impossible to harvest it. They, were, they had waited too long, and they were going to lose this harvest. And I asked the man that was driving me from the airport, I said, Why are all of these huge fields nicely harvested, but all of these small fields are being wasted? He said, Oh, those little fields, they belong to weekend farmers who live in the city. And they just come out here and play at farming. And their livelihood doesn't depend on the harvest, so they don't care if they get it in or not. They just have fun playing farming. And immediately God spoke to me. He said, how many of my children are weekend harvesters? Their livelihood doesn't depend on the harvest, so they don't care if it comes in or not. I want to challenge you today that the harvest is precious every person is precious in the sight of Jesus and he has called us to take the gospel to everyone we come in contact with the next thing in verse 36 is the harvest is fragile it says they were weary and scattered the word weary means that they were defeated by life the toils and the struggles have, of life had punched them in the stomach one too many times they're drawn and they're down and they're almost out for the final count ready to quit helpless broken and without purpose many people in life are in that condition they're weary they don't know where to turn when life throws them a curveball or when life does something that's not expected. Scattered means that they were wanderingly, aimlessly. They were people without hope, people without meaning, people without a reason for living. Ralph Waldo Emerson said this, People are living lives of quiet desperation. They're desperate for meaning and purpose, distraught by the world's lies and heading for destruction. They're walking down the path that Jesus referred to as the broad road that leads to death. Every person you know without Jesus is on that road. And it's our job to tell them they're going the wrong way. But too many times, especially guys, we're too proud to ask for directions. Huh? I remember when I was lost and knew i was lost i wasn't looking to find jesus i used to testify when i found jesus but then i realized i wasn't really looking for him he found me amen and he convicted me one day he said no i found you if you had been looking for me you would have found me because i'm not hidden amen so we need to be the light for people we need to be the thing that draws him to jesus The next thing is the harvest is directionless. They are like sheep having no shepherd. Like sheep without a shepherd meant that they would follow anything that came along, any new idea, any new fad, even if it was leading them to destruction. I told you a few weeks ago of a big church in the U.S. that has now hired a spiritualist. As a pastor on staff, so that she can call up dead relatives for people so they know that they made it to heaven. This book calls that witchcraft. And that's not to be in the church. I'm sorry. I don't care how big the church is, okay? I don't care how they justify it. It's not God. Of the 7.6 billion people on earth today, it is estimated that 30 million will die this year. This is one person every second. Do you know how to take your pulse? Either here or here if you can't feel it down there. Take a moment and find your pulse. If we're healthy, most of us have a heart rate of somewhere between 60 to 70 beats a minute. So that means every time you felt that pulse, someone somewhere on this planet died and went to hell without ever hearing about Jesus. Think about that. Pastor Vance Havner said this, The tragedy of our time is that the situation is desperate, but God's people are not. I hope this is speaking to you today because it's (laughs) it's really speaking to me. As I was preparing this several times, I deleted this message and didn't want to give it because it was too convicting, but God would always say, no, that's the one you're supposed to preach. The situation in the world is that things are desperate, but God's children are not desperate. We live in a lost and broken world that is desperate for the good news that we have, and that is Jesus Christ came to seek and to save the lost. The next thing I want to share is the harvest is understaffed, but the laborers are few. See, feel what Jesus felt. Jesus was overwhelmed when he saw the magnitude of the harvest and he knew he couldn't do it by himself. So he told, in a minute, he told the disciples to pray That harvesters laborers would come into the field see the Pharisees at that time they weren't so interested in people coming into the kingdom as they were people being punished for breaking the law but Jesus came and died for sinners to be saved there's a truth about the harvest the harvest will never be reaped if someone doesn't go into the harvest the hardest work of the year was harvest time we worked from daylight to dark and sometimes we even worked all night if bad weather was coming in the the crop was going to be destroyed. See, we need to be desperate to get the harvest in. And it is understaffed. There are not enough people. Jesus' followers today need to see the people as Jesus saw them, plentiful, precious, perplexed, and perishing. And then the next thing is the harvest begins in prayer. Pray the Lord of the harvest. Your prayer does not bring the harvest in. Your prayer simply unites your heart with the heart of God to see that the harvest is preserved. Not all Christians will cross major cultural boundaries. Not all Christians will become full-time missionaries. But every Christian must share the gospel and must pray for the Lord of the harvest to send workers into the harvest field. And then that brings us to the obedience part. To be part of the harvest, you must be willing to be an answer to your own prayer. As we pray for God to send workers into the harvest, God will touch our hearts with His heart to take the gospel to those people around us. We are workers. We're workers for God. And God wants workers in the harvest field. You are not on your job by accident. God has put you there. I was listening to a a podcast this morning, and the man made this statement. He said, pastors have no business in the business world. He said, businessmen have business in the business world. Let me give you an example. Rick, you're a contract manager, right? I can't come to KNPC as a pastor and say, "Hey, these contracts are wrong. You need to do A, B, and C." Why? Cuz I have I have no clue about contract management. So I have no business in that realm trying to talk their business, but you do. And so you have influence over them because of your expertise in the realm of business that I don't you understand what I'm saying so God has strategically placed you in the company where you work so that you can be a witness of Jesus now let me give you some good advice and some help you cannot save anyone do you understand that your job is not to save people that's Jesus's job your job is simple be a light in the darkness and we're gonna talk about this next week be salt and light where you are so that you can leave a lasting legacy but the question is will you obey when the Holy Spirit prompts you to share the gospel and then the last fact about the harvest the harvest is a partnership with God in verse 38 he says it is his harvest it's not CIC's harvest it's not Pastor Steve's harvest it's not your harvest it is God's harvest and only God can bring it in. We are in partnership with God to bring in the harvest. Isaiah 6, 8, one of my favorite scriptures. Also, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And then I said, Here am I. Send me. I hope that your prayer today. Here am I, Lord. Send me. Send me to that boss that I've been praying to get kicked out of the country. (laughs) Pray for that workmate that I don't like because he got the promotion I thought I deserved. God, send me to my neighbor that throws all their trash over on my side of the walk. Here am I, Lord. Send me. And in closing, what can we do? I want to give you four simple things. Number one, what can we do to be involved in the harvest? Take responsibility for the field where I am. Okay. Think of all the people you are in contact with every day. We will never have a sense of urgency or priority until we realize that we are responsible for those people. Number two, we can pray. When we begin to see people as Jesus saw them, then we will pray for workers for the harvest. Number three, we can go. When we see people as Jesus saw them, we will go into the harvest. We cannot bring in the harvest without first going into the harvest field. I don't know if you remember three or four months ago, I showed a little video of a song that was popular when Kath and I were in Bible school in the 70s. And it was, my children all want to sit around my table, but no one wants to go into my field. And it showed, you know, all of the churches with their potluck dinners and everything, and everybody sitting around um, eating, which there's nothing wrong with that. But then right outside the church, it had this church sitting right in the middle of a large wheat field and everybody was inside the church eating, and nobody was out in the field doing the harvest. God wants us to go. And then the last thing. First, take responsibility, then pray, then go, and when you go, share your story. Spurgeon said the great sin in the church today is the sin of silence. We have taken the great commission and made it the great omission. There is a false teaching in the church today that says we can be evangelical without being evangelistic. It has us believe that we go to church rather than we go into the world. We are commanded to be involved in the harvest it's a great privilege to partner with God to see men and women and boys and girls come to know Jesus as their savior it's not our job to save anyone it's simply our job to tell our story a friend of mine by the name of pastor David he runs a, a ministry and he said one time David Shibley is his his name and he runs Global Advance and he said his greatest fear is he gets to heaven and he stands for God on the judgment day and God said David this is what you accomplished for me but this is what I had planned for you This is what you accomplished, but this is what I had planned. So many times we get caught up with our own affairs. How can I make another dollar? How can I work a few more hours and get a little more in the bank or whatever? And we miss the person next to us that God sent us there to share the gospel with them. And I know a lot of times it's because we're afraid that if we share with them, they'll reject us. Well, that's going to happen because Jesus said, don't be surprised if the world rejects you because they rejected me. But we need to be willing to share. You don't have to know From Genesis to Revelation, you don't have to know everything in the cover of this book. All you have to do is tell your story. It's called a testimony. A testimony is simple, this. This is what I know. This is what happened to me. And it's your story. Share your story with people and they cannot argue with your story. Because it's your story. It happened to you. And the good news is, if God could take you, turn to your neighbor and say, this is good news. If God could change me, there's no problem with him changing you. Amen? And tell them, because I was a reprobate. I was a sinner, and God saved me. He can save you. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we come to you and we thank you for this message. We thank you for your word. We thank you that to have a balanced life, not only do we have to love the brothers and sisters in the body of Christ, and not only do we have to obey your commandments, but you want us to be involved in your harvest. You want us to love not only our brothers and sisters in the body of Christ, but you want us to love even our enemies. You want us to do good even to those that persecute us and say all kinds of slanderous things against us. Father, I ask that you would every day open our eyes to the harvest that is around us. Father, give us the boldness of a lion to share our story with everyone we come in contact with. And Father, I come to you today and I repent and I'm sorry for the times that I've not obeyed, for the times that I've let my own desires and my own feelings and my own arguments get in the way of sharing the gospel with someone. Father, I just thank you today for touching your people. In Jesus' name, amen.